Yo, what's up? My name is Clarence. And I'm DJ Nuna. And you're listening to Up in the Air. A podcast on our thoughts, moods, and experiences on the personal, political, and cultural world around us. Come float with us. Yo, what's up, guys? Thank you so much for tuning in to another week's episode of Up in the Air. We are so excited for this episode because we have a special guest. Yeah, you might know him from his work at Cut, um, but he's currently working with Grassroots Law as their director of talent. He's a journalist, Twitch streamer, your favorite Twitter account, and most importantly, a friend of the show. We have Day Chic. We hope that you enjoy this episode. Peace. Peace. <laughs> um, Day, thanks so much for joining us. You know, we are aspiring podcasters. <laughs> yeah, we'll just have you introduce yourself really briefly. Um, Maybe just talk about who you are, what you're up to these days, how quarantine's been treating you. We would love to hear that. Um, cool. Okay, my name's Day, or Deshik, <laughs> but usually Day. <laughs> um, quarantine. How has quarantine been treating me? Mm-hmm. It definitely goes in waves. I think the past couple weeks, I've been really feeling more bummed about the new normal than I probably was the previous month I would say mm-hmm. I just feel like I got robbed of a summer and I realized that I'm usually like in Hawaii back home for at least a couple weeks during this time mm-hmm. also my birthday's in August and it was okay oh. and you know Leo's <laughs> really care about their birthdays so, you know it's like did you cry on your birthday? Uh, no. Inside, I did. Uh. <laughs> I was, you know, when you're like really bummed and you don't even feel like that outwardly emotion. That's yeah, how I felt. Just, like yeah. you felt, yeah, you felt numb. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Lincoln Park style. I was like uh, <laughs> really sad. Um, and then we had the smoke, you know. So I think all of that accumulation. I was just like, this sucks. I mean, it, it like it seems to get worse and worse, and you're just like, oh wow, this is great, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, and it's either gonna be the absolute worst, or at least a little hopeful in a couple of weeks after the election, I think. Mm-hmm. So we'll yeah. see. We'll see how we end it. <laughs> wild how, I mean, the election's like less than two weeks away now, or almost less than two weeks away. Um, how are you feeling about? election like what do you think will happen i was actually just talking to a friend who works for a um national political org i i won't say who just in case i get him in trouble but um his his whole job basically is to remove trump from office Mm -hmm. from like a political strategic way and uh, he, you know, I assumed he's working around the clock. I'm like, man, you must not be sleeping. He lives in Seattle. He's working remotely. He has a cute little dog that doesn't need a leash. He's just a very polished human being, you know? Um, and I know if we're being judged by how well our dogs are trained, I must, I must either look sometimes really good or really bad. But anyway... My dog just like ran up to these two labradoodles at um, what park was it? It was at Seward Park. And I know anytime somebody has two labradoodles and that's it, they're not used to like regular dogs, you know? I mean, at Seward too? Oh, at man. Seward. And it was, <laughs> and I knew like, oh, he's about to freak out. And if my dog runs up to another dog, he kind of looks like a pit bull. And I know that, mm-hmm. you know, people get freaked out by pits for dumb reasons but i wasn't like running after my dog because i knew that that would just freak out all the dogs so i just started like calmly walking towards my dog who's trying to play with these two labradoodles and yep the owner just freaked out he's like what are you doing <laughs> i was like oh my god this is bad but anyway why did i share that story oh yeah this guy has a very trained dog that doesn't need a leash and walks like him and his dog walk on the busy streets of Pioneer Square. 
um, just side by side. It's really confusing. And without like, a leash, that's yeah, really like, impressive. It's like wow. Pokemon. Yeah, there's like traffic. It's, like it's crazy. But anyway, I asked him if he hasn't been sleeping and how's work. And he's like, yeah, I wake up four in the morning every day, go to sleep at like two. It's been around the clock. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that sucks. And he said, um, oh, and I asked him if he felt hopeful because you know i i've been going on twitter i've been looking and i'm and i know like we shouldn't look too much into the polls but i was reading articles like oh two major polls that predicted trump winning in 2016 um have biden winning in a landslide this and that so i was like oh okay like maybe we're okay you know maybe i can talk a little more um are we allowed to swear on youtube i don't know yeah oh yeah go ahead okay look at, like, I mean, look at your hat <laughs> oh I, yeah <laughs> totally man <laughs> it's true your hat says fuck trump so i think we're fine yeah. um no so i i was looking at those polls and i was like oh okay cool maybe biden has a big lead maybe i can talk a little more shit about biden on twitter and not feel as bad and this and that but i asked him and he said nah man i think it's a lose-lose situation and I was like, what do you mean? And he said, um, he just, he, he confirmed what we've all been reading about the voter suppression happening really bad. And he said that he's been on the phone with major swing states and that Trump is playing a very dirty game, which is no surprise. And that we should really take it seriously when he says that he's not prepared to leave office no matter what. And he doesn't believe in the, um, I guess like the, the ethics and he doesn't believe in the validity of the election because of what he's calling um, voter malpractice. And so he believes that it's either gonna be a scenario where Joe Biden has to win by a large margin, which is not impossible. So all, the only thing Trump can do to manipulate the election results is to call um, this type of malpractice. And if that happens, then um, we should be ready for a, you know, they're really building a coup or some sorts. And we will see probably a, a backlash from, you know, when Trump says things like stand by and stand back or some bullshit like that. Um, to white supremacists or the other scenario is Trump wins mm -hmm. and then that's also a really bad scenario for obvious reasons so <laughs> it's either we have civil war or we have civil war I guess but it just depends <laughs> like if the other person is officially right. or if our enemy is officially the president or unofficially the president mm -hmm. uh, that's I feel bad for your friend who has to sleep <laughs> yeah. at like, or wakes up at four and then sleeps at two. And like, that's such a, you know, huge responsibility. And I think it, yeah, the timeline has been, you know, super back and forth. Like I see some people that, you know, are, they are boycotting from voting just because, you know, the voting system is so corrupt. And you mentioned like voter suppression. And you start to realize like you're taught these things like oh register by this day register by this like time but you know registration in itself is a form of suppression like yeah other countries people already have that right given to them without having to take all those extra steps but uh that's that's a lot to so do you have peers that are not voting um i don't have like close friends that are not voting i would yeah. say that in my circle a lot of us have agreed like yes the political system is so corrupt and broken but um like abstaining our vote like in this like right now is not going to change anything for the better necessarily um right so i mean we point, we definitely had friends too who were like not registered at some point you know with like within the last couple of years and then more recently gotten registered and all that so yeah i don't know i think at this moment you know i'm happy to say that there everyone's like gonna vote and stuff but yeah i actually i was gonna ask you like what are your thoughts on kind of you know people talking about like oh like voting is gonna like this the best thing you can do and, and whatnot because i saw a couple of your tweets and you're saying you know like 
voting oh, like, there's only so much right like it's not going to solve the world's problems so i guess could you talk a little bit more about that yeah th- this is coming from somebody that i have to admit it like i can nerd out about electoral politics if i'm not careful and so it's not that like I don't have a passion for it. You know what I mean? Like I've worked on campaigns. I've worked on hyper-local campaigns. I've worked on um, federal level congressional campaigns. And it's, it's you know, I'm, I'm mostly on the PR media side and like I get the appeal, but especially on the federal level, I think it can come off as very sexy. You know what I mean? Like, oh, Bernie, like this and that. and which is great. Like, you know, I, I supported Bernie Sanders. I supported other candidates. And at the same time, um, I try to always remind people that electoral politics is just one means to an end to create the material change we're looking for. And you know, further, further than that, like it's, uh, I wouldn't even prioritize it as like one of the top ways to create change in community. Um, if we are talking about electoral change or electoral politics, sorry, the hyper-local stuff is actually way more important in preserving power um, or gaining power or speaking power with power. And the top 1%, middle, upper-class white people especially, they've known that, you know? They've known that hyper-local politics really matter. And that's what nobody really pays attention about. And that's why they're the ones knowing that city council hearings are where you need to go. That's why they know they need to run candidates in their district, because when it comes to protecting taxes, rezoning their uh, neighborhoods, so um, different types of housing or gets built or not get built, things like that is it really comes down to these community town hall meetings that it's like, why would I want to go there? Like, I'm I'm good. Like. Maybe I'll play CNN on the background and that's my politics for the day or whatever (laughs) at max. Right. Yeah. And so in terms of electoral politics, I would say we need to put more emphasis on the hyper local level. And I, and I think that shift is slowly starting to happen. And we're also seeing a lot of more diverse type of candidates, non-traditional campaigns start to be birthed out of these hyper local movements, which is exciting to see. Um, But yeah, I think in general, this notion that voting is going to suddenly solve all of our problems is is really disheartening. And I think um, if you look at this national presidential race, you have somebody that's clearly a bigot like Donald Trump. And then you have somebody like Joe Biden, who is in, in... every way better than Donald Trump. And it's somebody that needs to replace Donald Trump. Of course, at the same time, I was just ranting to my friend about how the bar is so low now on like what progressiveness can look like. And Joel doesn't really need to go that far left anymore. I think when he was with a bunch of real progressive candidates, he was struggling. You know, we saw that. We saw when he was in a very crowded, democratic race and when all the other candidates started to drop out they knew what the correct answer was supposed to be and what we needed to see in order to obtain the progressive change our communities need and they fucked up they all started endorsing joe and you know the rest was history and bernie lost the nomination and it is what it is and so we're at a place where Voting Joe Biden isn't going to miraculously stop police brutality. Right. You know what I mean? It's not going to automatically suddenly tax the rich or solve our housing crisis. Like, that's just not going to happen. And it's going to it's going to take, you know, putting Joe in as a first step and seeing which one of our peers are going to continue to show up on the streets and continue to organize after that happens or if those of us who are more privileged are just going to be like, all right, cool. Like let's celebrate. I'm going to move on and not care about creating change anymore. Um, and that's going to be the real test, I think. Yeah. It's, it's wild. Cause I have heard some of my peers, um, say like, oh, you know, 
the election can go one way or another. Like if Trump wins, you know, it's gonna be chaotic, but if Biden wins, like it'll change the whole game. But I don't, yeah, I don't think that's true because um, like we've heard it in um, like in the last presidential debate that yeah, Biden falls very, like he's not actually as left as we think he, or as he portrays himself to be. Like he won't, he still won't um, like talk about the police in a way where it's like, police abolition is a possibility like he still like defends them and supports them because they're you know a government entity so yeah i am i'm also very nervous and discouraged for the election because either way it's it's a loss i well not either way but it's like a a big loss or like a slightly smaller loss i think um and yeah i don't know clarence what are your how are you feeling about it? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything you said. I feel like you put it in a really good way too, kind of like yeah. contextualize everything. But, you know, in addition to voting then, like I know that you're currently working at Grassroots Law and mm-hmm. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and like mm-hmm. why that's important to you. Um, and also just more so like, what is your role there? Yeah, um, I started working at Grassroots Law Project right after I transition out of cut. Um, it's good. I mean, the the work's good. It's it's definitely heavy work and unpredictable work. And we're actually trying to find ways to provide free counseling and mental health um, resources for all the employees there as we're continuing to grow. Uh, to put it into perspective, it like one of the first days. I um, was on the job or employed by them. I had a call with um, Ahmad Arbery's family to to see how we can advocate for them um, and what justice looks like for them, at least on you know the the very immediate level. And it's 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 stuff that I don't think I mean like I don't know. I mean we're we're working with victims families you know what i mean and so i think when i was working at a at a place where it wasn't directly tied into the work i was passionate about it was a lot easier to kind of compartmentalize different things when i needed to take a break or a breather but um this is one of the reasons why i have somewhat tried to avoid this type of work being my full-time job because it's not like the organizing that happens outside of this necessarily stops either and so it does become what feels like a 24 second cycle which has been the theme of this year regardless and so i don't necessarily know if things would be any different if i wasn't in this job but you know i am thankful to be getting a paycheck during the pandemic as well so uh it's i think in in particular with my role I'm trying to build out a surrogates program within here where back at cut my role there was to build out an ambassador program, which is pretty similar to a political surrogates program where I build relationships and partnerships with, you know, whether it's influencers or celebrities or, or anybody else that um, I feel like could be in good partnership with our brand. Um, whether it's having somebody be a spokesperson for one of our campaigns that we're launching at Cut, or it's bringing on Laura DIY on a Truth to Drink video, you know, and yeah. everything, everything in between. Mm-hmm. Um, at Grassroots Law Project, I think one of the things I have realized is that every celebrity wants to talk about these issues now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not, not now. It's not something that we have to necessarily beg. A, an influencer to read up on or get passionate about like the interest is there already for better or for worse and at the same time if we're not equipping them and we're not giving them the proper download on what's going on and they start to speak on something it could actually harm the movement in a lot of ways you know what i mean um i was working with a sports team that wanted to list out a, a, a list of demands from the president on social justice issues. And which is, which I respect, you know, I'm glad they wanted to do that and that's all great, but 
a lot of the things were a lot more regressive than what the grassroots organizers were demanding mm -hmm. of their local mayor. And if they went ahead and put out those demands, the local mayor would have jumped on that and be like, oh, I'm down to do all of that. You know, I'm sure you've read all the critiques of like things like um, eight can't wait and things like that, right? It's like a lot of these like full progressive neoliberal type of policy demands that actually harm the on the ground work that people are, are pushing for. And so um, it's my job to come in, intercept that being like, hey, like this is really cool, but like, let me connect you more with the people on the ground doing the work. Um, just so there can be more synergy around the material change we all want to see. You know what I mean? And no offense to you guys, but your priority is not necessarily grassroots organizing. You guys are professional athletes. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad you guys are stepping up and wanting to use your voice to magnify the issues. At the same time, I hope you have enough self-awareness to know um, what is really, truly helpful is empowering the people that are breathing and living this day to day um and are you down to do that and there are yeah most times they are sometimes it's complicated but um, i'm trying to build the ecosystem at glp where it becomes more of like a smooth thing um but we're, we're in the beat we're a baby org and we're continuing to grow mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense, especially since you're working with people with like really big platforms. And even when you were working at Cut and having like, you mentioned Laura DIY, like having like influencers come into your mm -hmm. circle. Have you like, what are your thoughts on the term like performative activism? And is that something that you witness when you're working in these circles? Or is it something like it's better than nothing type thing? But yeah, just wondering what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, um, that's a good question. I think performative activism is really easy to to do, especially with social media, obviously, um, especially with TikTok. I don't know. <laughs> did I seem like, did I sound like a boomer? <laughs> uh, <laughs> He's always uh, asking me advice for the Gen Z perspective. <laughs> wait, who? You. Oh, me? Oh, yeah, yeah, I do, I do. What was the last question again I asked you? I think like, you am, like... am I a savage? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot, but you're always like, yo, I need help. Oh, it was, um, no, I don't remember. Was it with Cut? I think it might have been back. It might have been. You are my Gen Z um, <laughs> correspondent. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, performative activism. I, yeah, I mean, I think it definitely happens. I don't know if it's so black and white where it's like, is it good or is it bad? I think it always has to tie in to what the movement needs. And I hate to even say a blanket statement like that because it's like, who's the movement? Who's the leader? Right? Um, but I think it's really obvious um, with the era of social media to detect authenticity. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that level of discernment is necessarily a difficult thing to accomplish anymore. Uh, when you see an IG influencer post a black square, like you kind of know if this is like a one-time thing. At the same time though, I might be alone on this and maybe I'll get shit on for this, but there are certain people where I feel like I would have never expected them to say anything. Mm -hmm. And even like one or two sentences, I'm like, whoa, that's surprising to me. And I'm glad you did that. Mm -hmm. But there are other people where I feel like my own internal bar for them is a lot higher. And I'm like, I expect more than that from you. And that's kind of shallow. And I don't know. I feel like that's hypocritical and that's something I'm processing. You know what I mean? Like, like who's an example of somebody that you, you never think would say anything about social justice. Fuck, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm trying to think of like any like, uh, musicians maybe yeah like yeah actors or whatever like kind of people it's kind of funny because i have i ha i've been there where i'm like 
damn, why is this person not saying anything? And then I realize right. they're from like Australia or something. Right. And I'm like, oh wait, it's, I mean, it is like an international issue, but hmm, I, like for me as, as someone that's like into makeup and fashion, there's a lot of mm. like beauty influencers that it either went one way or another where it felt very genuine. And I feel like in, in their previous content, I would see that they have a heart for justice and it's not like just coming up like right now, but then for others, it, it feels like, oh, I'm trying to catch up and like bandwagon on to the movement type thing. So right. are you a Bretman fan? I'm not, but I feel like Bretman is, I know that he's had some controversy. Um, I think I first discovered him from Vine, maybe. Yeah, yeah, back in but, the day. I don't, I mean, we're both from Hawaii, but I don't know right. Bretman, and uh, he's way too cool for me. Um, <laughs> I just saw that he just did a Mac commercial, which was funny. Um, I actually don't know about the controversy, but anyway, I was just bringing Bretman up as somebody like, if he said something about Black Lives Matter, would you be shocked? I would say no. Yeah. Because I think he, I, I his controversy is what happened was like a video of him resurfaced of him saying the N word, I think X oh, amount of years yeah. ago. And there's also just, I think in the queer community, there's a lot of like black fishing that happens and like using yeah um Blackson and stuff like that so mm. I think there's a lot of like reform happening in the queer beauty community but I think Bretman has been one of like the male influencers that has like been I think for the most part responsible with his platform so I wouldn't be too surprised but like not as much drama as James Charles hell no oh I hate yeah. <laughs> Charles I I will not forgive america for like allowing them to still have such a huge platform. i'm kind of shocked at the rebound i'm not gonna lie i don't think i think anyone with a good pr team can kind of bounce back usually but i feel like james's demise was very short mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's because uh, like tiktok influencers just like they mess with him and even yeah. like you know nikita dragon mm -hmm. yeah she's super problematic as well but i think they all hang out together all, all of the problematic people hang out together it's problem squad <laughs> yeah they're like if we all stick together they can't cancel all of us <laughs> <laughs> the industries won't let that happen we make them way too much money well maybe the answer to my question is there we're at a place where we won't be shocked if anybody says it because it's such a norm to say black lives matter now and maybe the shock is when somebody says all lives matter. We're like, whoa, yeah. you know what I mean? And maybe that's the answer. I don't know. But I guess my main point is going back to the original question of performative justice. I, I do think that does happen. And I think like the black square thing um, was an example of that. At the same time, I, I put out a lot of critique on the black square when it happened. And I got pushback from close family and friends being like, oh, I, you know, you're somebody that I look up to and activism. And I often don't know what to do because um, I'm working full time and I have children and I'm trying to get involved and I can't be on the street like you. And I thought this was finally an opportunity to to contribute and spread awareness. And I feel like attacked. And I was like, you know, that that's real. You know, and I, I don't, and, and that's the thing. Like, I feel like I, I will say I, in my critique, I didn't do a good enough job of my own internal analysis on um, ableism and accessibility to like what it means to show up for the movement. And I know not everybody can show up in the same ways. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that is also on the movement and on activists and organizers to figure out um, how we can involve the whole, you know, the full breadth of the community when it comes to fighting for change. But um, it needs to go, of course, beyond performance. And I think we're still figuring that out, especially when it comes to um, our influencer role models. Mm -hmm. Would you 
call yourself an influencer. <laughs> Just kidding. But yeah. one thousand percent not. <laughs> I wish. I always okay. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. People do ask me that question. Sometimes joking. Sometimes half joking. I think there's always a little fan, bit of it. You have a pretty big fan base, especially in Seattle, because of Cut. So it's like more. I think. Did you used to call yourself like a media personality? I don't know if I heard you say that, but I think someone in my circle was like. I, I never. No, no, I never told anybody. <laughs> I called myself a media personality. That's like some kind of boomer, like radio <laughs> DJ. Like I don't know. That's like something you put on your LinkedIn or something. But anyway, <laughs> I I always joke and say I would never call myself an influencer until I start actually making real money from it. <laughs> not that that's the end goal. That's not the end goal, but um, I don't know. Influ- I always tease influencers because they also hate the word influencer and they always think it's funny because they know how much shit that word gets. <laughs> but have you all watched that? really terrible netflix show emily in paris oh god i haven't even started that i yet. i saw the trailer and i was just like oh my god what is this i watched the trailer <laughs> this is a no from me it's interesting but i guess there are real people who expect free things because of who they are i guess but i i think for me i I, you know, I got to admit it. I'm a Leo. I'm not like, sometimes the attention is fun. Sometimes it's not. And I think being on cut, um, raised my platform a little bit. And I struggled a lot in the beginning when that was happening, if I'm being honest, because I was already somewhat known in the hyper local community on Twitter for like my activism. Mm -hmm. And my Instagram was actually a place where before I started getting followers or whatever, it was a place where I could take a break. And I like making people laugh. I like Mm -hmm. posting pictures of what I'm doing, like everybody else, you know what I mean? And Instagram was a place where I'm like, I'm gonna shut that part off. I'm gonna take a break and post kind of more fun things, you know? And so when I started growing my following on Instagram, it was still that place where I didn't really put in my activism work. And so if you're coming in as a fan of cut and following me on Instagram, you're not really going to know that type of political background or activism that I'm passionate about. And that was really on Twitter. So there are some people who would find my Twitter from my Instagram and from cut and being like, what is going on here? <laughs> Who the hell is this guy? This, yeah. this dude is nuts. <laughs> um, and there are a lot of people who appreciated it, which which I which I like. But um, I definitely felt a lot of internalized things mixing up about oh no, like am I am I becoming a sellout? Am I being like watered down? Like what do I do? And like, how do I utilize this platform? And as you know, the Instagram, you know, it's not huge in terms, I would say like, there's like, what are the different levels of influencers? Macro, micro influencers. I'll call myself a na- a nano influencer. <laughs> the, the nano, the nano level. But it, it, yeah, I, I, I warred with myself a lot about like, how to, how do I integrate my passion for the things I believe in onto this platform mm-hmm. in a organic way without feeling uh, performative. You know what I mean? Because I know what I do. I know what I've been doing for years, but that doesn't mean people who've never met me do yeah. or people who follow me on cut. So like, how do I do it? Um, yeah, it, it's something I had to work through. I, I think now it's it's pretty mixed. And I think people who see my Instagram aren't surprised about what I believe in and things like that. But, you know, it is what it is. I, I'm, I'm still trying to pursue a lot of like on-camera stuff. And um, I work with a team that 
helps me line up uh, some auditions for some hosting gigs. And I want to continue that outside of cut. Um, and, they, and they do often tell me that, you know, just being straight up honest with me, a lot of the content I post makes it harder for that to happen. And so even though we live in a very woke era, as people would say, I people still feel like folks who told a line um, and become more bipartisan is easier to sell and exploit if we're being yeah. real. And I think that's why going back to the celebrity thing, um, voting is a bipartisan issue. Voting is not being controversial. That's our American civil duty, you know? It's civics 101. And so of course, like when we say, like if you go out and be like defund police, or if you go out and say arrest these cops, you know, like tax the rich even that's all a little too much for these brands to feel comfortable with but voting everybody can get behind voting you know what i mean i just got <laughs> yeah. a free uber delivery because i i said i'm gonna vote mm -hmm. it's wild like every single platform i feel like i've never seen it before but it's like have you registered to vote yet and there's like on instagram even spotify and soundcloud like clarence just showed that to me before this call so it's i feel like voting is kind of like a mask that you can wear to be like oh, oh yeah i am socially responsible but when we get even more like when we talk about defunding the police that's when i get really uncomfortable so it's interesting how and i i think people tell people to vote as a it's, it's kind of dismissive because yeah we talked about how voting like in the hyper local level it does lead to a lot of like change that you can witness yourself but for other groups of people like voting on a federal level does not help their case or like their situation yeah. so well it's sad too because i guarantee a lot of these corporations because of the uprising and the protests and the internal callouts you know we see it happening at bon appetit we see it happening at all these major companies i know for a fact that in these meetings, they have drawn up these new quotas on social justice and what our company believes in and like, what are we doing as a brand? And I know voting campaigns are checking off a lot of boxes for them internally. Right. And this is how they are able to tell their employees, their staff, their board and their consumers that we are doing something during this moment mm -hmm. and again i'm not saying voting isn't important during this time of course we're two weeks away of one of the biggest elections of our lives sure at the same time this is this is a way for large companies like the nikes of the world like the spotify's like you mentioned to wash their hands and be like yeah. i did it it's it's i'm clean now I can walk away. Right. I pushed this whole voting campaign. Nobody got pissed off. We're all good. Mm -hmm. Everybody's down to vote. And and that's that's kind of what I'm worried about is that not the voting itself, but it's it's we're putting we're pushing this message that this is enough to to fight for the things that we've been fighting for on the streets since March, you know, and and for years, for generations. Right. And I, so I was really discouraged when the Laker, not the Lakers, the NBA players were boycotting super in, calling for the arrest of Brianna's Taylor's murderers, the cops. And then Mr. Neoliberal captain himself, Obama, just swoops in and is like, oh yeah, guys, actually, you guys should play. Okay. And and just change them and just tell them to vote you know wear vote shirts and like we're good and that's exactly what happened that's what happened and and the conversation stopped right and so that was a really short boycott i remember being like oh wow that's great and then it was over yeah i mean lebron got his ring it's all good we can move on <laughs> it is what it is i mean laker nation right <laughs> yeah exactly like i was just thinking about this or I talked to Trent about this and mm -hmm. you know how a lot of like like companies like Apple were doing like, oh, we'll match your donation by three times the amount. But like mm -hmm. they should just already be donating that without having like 
my a lot of my student peers were like facilitating those donations you know like they're they're kind of capitalizing off of like students or or people that don't have the most money in the world to like have this image of themselves like oh yeah we're supporting like color of change or whatever place that they're donating to but i feel like they should already be they shouldn't have to like have us donate first to ca- to be like oh we're we're gonna multiply by three times so i don't know it's- yeah what are the orgs they're committing to color of change i don't know if color of change was the exact org but apple i think was I think it might have been um, reclaim the block, or like there was like X amount of charities that you could do. Oh, I see. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I, I think it was Apple and maybe Microsoft that were. Do doing you that. do y'all have like a favorite? Just to try to be a little positive of what people are trying to do, like a favorite big biggish brand that you're like, oh wow, like that messaging was really strong and that was that was kind of dope. I mean, I know Teen Vogue does pretty good stuff. It's wild the how their like content has shifted, you know. Yeah. Um, so what happens when you put a radical black woman as your editor? Let me think, Clarence. Do you have anyone? Because I'm having trouble <laughs> thinking of. Yeah, I mean, like right off the bat, I don't know if I can think of something. <laughs> yeah, you know, like did Among Us do something cool, like with their, <laughs> with their content or something? Among Us is like a coping mechanism. <laughs> That's what they did for us. I guess it's hard because I don't really, I don't know about you, but I don't really watch commercials that much anymore. So I'm not really getting a lot of these ads, Mm -hmm. but. I would say the one good thing is that I, I've been able to discover a lot of, um, a lot of people or organizations in the creative field, especially Mm -hmm. that um, are uplifting the movement and are elevating the right voices i think um like even clarence and i we've been able to discover a lot more like black and brown designers or studios because design is such a white dominated industry um so like some names off the top of our heads like there's a new um org called where the black designers they've been having a lot of good conferences um working with a lot of black designers and even with like our faculty they have been attending um the events which is really important mm-hmm. um like fisk studios is based in portland um and i think i've just been more intentional with like what kind of media am i consuming what kind of people am i following right. because like i don't know why but my instagram explore page is like half asian influencer model <laughs> and then half like informative informative like slide through images um so i don't know about that algorithm but my tiktok algorithm is like amazing it's like (laughs) it's like all women of color like tiktok is i what i've learned is that when you master the tiktok algorithm for you there's nothing better yeah you know what i mean like instagram is so fickle that's why like it i can look at you know, I spend one hour on those those really short videos that make you feel good. Like the um, things that, how do I explain it? Like, um, you know, when those like, uh, what is the term for like eye porn or whatever? Oh my God. Oh, I saw. you mean like, like this um, ASMR? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like visual ASMR. It's like they put the little blocks in the face and they exactly 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 but it's like sand yeah 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 i spent like an hour looking at that and now it thinks i want to look at it all the time and so i have to like go back and like search other things and it goes back and then it plays me an ad for new glasses because i've been looking at glasses on google it's just like it's too much but tiktok is like oh yeah this is exactly the people i'm trying to um follow yeah and I know that you're starting like your Twitch Twitch career as well. How is oh, that? Slowly. Because I think um, Twitch also caters to like a lot of different communities. It's actually pretty amazing how like every single person's interest, you can find a community on Twitch and mm-hmm. too. How is that? It's called um, We Weren't Invited. Yeah, it's it, I soft launched it. I'm working with a designer at Cut, one of my close friends who 
Actually, it's not at cut anymore. It's not a lot of us at cut anymore. <laughs> um, but that's another episode. Uh, one of my friends, he's helping me kind of brand the YouTube, things like that. It, we're, I'm really starting from scratch. Yeah. And I'm excited about it. It's called We Weren't Invited. My, I had a different, I had different levels of ideation on what it's going to be. But I think the general concept is there. I think I was talking to you about this the other day. Yeah. Um, kind of comparing like the Eric Andres of the world who goes to these events uninvited or like the no gas, no breaks or the daily show, Sarah, yeah. Sarah Silverman, mm-hmm. who honestly has been one of my favorites since I was a little kid. I know sometimes she's polarizing, <laughs> controversial, but I always thought she was so funny. Did, did you see the the video that she made with a bunch of other celebrities? I did, and then showed her <laughs> boobs, right? Yeah, <laughs> she was trending. Um, yeah, anyway, I keeping those people in mind, one of the things I do really love is interviewing people, especially people I don't know. And I think something I realized and has been told to me many times, I just didn't really take it seriously, is how much of an echo chamber that we're in oftentimes, especially on the left, especially on platforms like Twitter. And I don't know about you, but I don't follow a lot of people I don't agree with. You know what I mean? Like it's usually people I align with. I retweet the tweets that I'm like, yeah, I agree with. And I move on, you know, occasionally I see an opinion from somebody that I don't necessarily agree with. And then we just bash them on a quote tweet and then we move on. It's very, very easy. Yeah. I don't go on Facebook anymore because it's stressful and I don't see the point and whatever. And I just see too many old former Bible study teachers on there of mine that (laughs) triggers my trauma. (laughs) I, I went on recently and I saw one of them I was still friends with post all the evidence that they had on why Black Lives Matter was a terrorist organization. Oh and gosh. I was like, okay, I'm out again. I'm out. This is why. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't even remember what I was talking about. Echo Chambers. Oh yeah, Echo Chambers. So what I'm trying to do with my show is venture into places where I don't necessarily agree with and my goal is not necessarily i think people like no gas no breaks they're super viral super cool super funny and i think they do a good job in a lot of ways but i'm not trying to bridge a middle gap i'm not trying to be apolitical i'm not trying to pretend that maybe the solution is a little bit of everything you know what i mean my goal is to be unapologetically from where I believe, you know, the left progressive, but listen to opinions that I feel like we don't know enough about. I think we know generally what Trump supporters are, but I don't know how many of us have conversations with them on a day-to-day basis. And I think for mental health reasons, it's probably good that we don't. But even me talking to a lot of these, you know, supporters at this rally that I went to dressed in all denim because I thought that would help me blend in more. (laughs) But I didn't know that me wearing a mask, an N95 mask even, would make me stick out real bad because nobody wore a mask. So so I was like, oh, my God. And then while I was streaming, I'm good, by the way, but while I was streaming, somebody in the the comments was like you do know that masks protect people from you but they don't protect you from people their masks do oh god and so you can get infected by all these trump supporters who are anti-mask but all you're doing is protecting them from you well you you said you said you're wearing an n95 though right yeah 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 at least at least you weren't just wearing like a yeah, that's what I thought too. And then he sent me an article in my chat from a New York Times article yeah. saying N95 is not. I was like, oh my <laughs> god, the vent, the vent is actually. Oh my god. So anyway, I was I got instant hypochondria at that moment. But it was also fascinating 
hearing the complexities of these answers and contradictions even i posted a couple of folks who believe in things that they are also still processing oftentimes in in real time and a lot of these people are single issue voters as well and so i'm i'm asking them questions about free healthcare i'm asking them questions about um why they believe BLM is a terrorist organization and then i'm following that up with well if you believe this org is this like what about other orgs from the conservative side that you don't necessarily know who runs like QAnon or or what about the free healthcare you got when you were a struggling single person that was pregnant and a lot of times it, it comes out with them being a little confused and not knowing what to do but I think the core to that is they have a couple of issues they really believe in that's why they're going to vote the way they're going to vote and how they ease that type of internal anxiety is telling themselves that this is their christian duty or religious duty etc and you know we can do a whole hour on how the republicans hijacked the church back in the 70s um but yeah i, I think a lot of these folks still have their faith and voting red pretty synonymous with each other and it's unfortunate um but i i think a lot of us don't really know how co- complex uh the demographics that i was talking to really were really is um but i i think i think we know how complex it is because we have a lot of faith-based experiences ourselves you know and we know how crazy it can be sometimes is that what you want your viewers kind of to come away with like the generally just you know figuring out or or just unveiling kind of the complexities of those people because i think that a lot of times like mm-hmm. when people think about what a trump supporter might look like they'd be like oh they're like a redneck in the woods like dude you know where i was now, in the woods with a lot of rednecks <laughs> just to clarify but yes, yes, I, I, I see. I know what you're saying, and I, and I agree with that. I think for me, I think too often we just group these people in a small little box and say there's like a handful of them out in the boonies, drinking Bud Budweiser, and just out there with their racist flags, saying the N word at the TV, this and that. And yeah, there are people like that, but. They, there's still a lot of them enough to vote this fascist president into office. You know what I mean? They're not like only getting 2% of the vote because they're just this minority group. It's still a lot of our country who believes in these ideals and has been lied to. And a lot of them are cash poor. You know what I mean? A lot of them feel neglected by this government, Mm -hmm. by capitalism. And what they think is they need more capitalism and more bigotry to solve their problems and they're wrong and they're racist. Mm -hmm. But a lot of them that I was talking to were struggling and felt neglected by the Clinton campaign, felt neglected by the Democrats, felt like they didn't matter, you know? And so I'm not necessarily just interested in talking to the corporate elites who are in the GOP, who are more strategizing around how to manipulate folks like the people I talked to at this Trump rally. But I am interested in talking to people who feel themselves activated for the first time in a long time and feel like this is how they can create material change for themselves, but not knowing that their ideals is actually the furthest away from what they view as the gospel you know what i mean what they view as being good stewards or whatever you want to call it and i think that part is very interesting because i asked him like none of them told me that they're like oh i hate black people like i don't think they'd ever say that i mean that's not the the crowd that i was in i wasn't but they were in a lot of ways just as racist as a clan rally and so it is kind of 
shifting through and don't get me wrong like there was a lot of times i was scared i was talking to this white woman and her husband kind of came and was like who are you and i was like oh my god i need to like like that's so my cue are, are you are you out there with just like one other person the, uh, the person i just went by myself oh my god <laughs> with a with a phone you need and backup a, you need a, <laughs> well so i probably wrongly thought that going by myself would make me look less suspicious because like what am I gonna do? Mm-hmm. I mean, I am like almost six. I'm like six two, six three. So it's like I guess it's not totally helpful to go by myself. But it was a situation where I was like, I'm just gonna go in. I'm gonna try to disarm people. And that's the thing. I think people who going back to compartmentalizing my identities on social media. I think people who just know me on Twitter think I'm like always angry. <laughs> and people who usually know knew me from like instagram or like my my close friends where i can be more personable they're like oh yeah he's like a goofy dude and no matter what i'm always gonna be a local boy from hawaii and i know how to disarm people you know what i mean like i know how to just come in show some show some aloha a little bit and just be like we're cool you know like yeah and i would you know i i'm not out there trying to present gotcha moments i'm not out there being like I'm gonna trap your ass and then I'm gonna just troll you. And that's where like, I don't necessarily think I'm taking the Eric Andre approach or the no gas, no bricks approach. Like I'm gonna let them talk and I'm gonna ask questions that I wanna know answers to. Yeah. Like nothing I asked was anything I wasn't genuinely curious about. I wanna know your stance on this. I wanna know like, okay, if you believe in this, what about this situation, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I not to be too narcissistic, but like, I believe the people who are going to tune in are also curious about those yeah. questions. And I'm also reading the chat in live time and be like, Oh, that's a good question from this viewer. I'm going to ask that question too. And so I think curiosity is what I'm going to lean on to, to create this channel. And I, I'm, and I think what we're seeing is that actually a lot of people aren't have never really heard directly the perspective of this voting block and i think if we're going to properly advocate for the things we're advocating for during this time we have to know what the other side thinks or we're just throwing darks darts in the dark i guess yeah for real and i do think that's like the main you know problem that gen z faces like i will admit as well like my twitter is an echo chamber most of my the people i surround myself with have like the same ideas as me as well and i i do think like clarence and i have been thinking about like all gas no breaks as well and like what his role is in like the journalism Mm -hmm. industry and yeah we thought that well one he's white so he kind of fits into these like trump conventions like he he kind of looks like one of them sometimes yeah yeah Um, yeah for sure and i think there's like sometimes less commentary it's more like it leaves the viewer to um like it's a lot of those gotcha moments for sure and then the viewer can like inform or like make a decision themselves on how to feel but i think that shows like that like how you're doing it is like there's a there's a bit more takeaway there's a bit more curiosity involved like especially from the viewers too i think that's really important but I'm excited yeah. to see where your channel goes. We should collab. I, I can be your backup. I can be <laughs> You guys want to come with me to the Snohomish Young Republicans event happening next Saturday <laughs> at Lake Washington? They're going out on boats again. On Lake Washington. Do you wow. think that I will stick out? We all would. We will. All three Asians. <laughs> Us three together. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, my, We're like a little I, family. We'll here, just be family. like... I was like, you got, you trying to whip our votes or not? You know what I mean? Like, don't wear your hat though, Clarence. Yeah. Yeah. Should I wear this? <laughs> None of us can wear anything that you're wearing um, right now. Everyone, shout out today's um, t-shirt line. Woo! Is it still selling? Yeah, I mean, oh, it's, yeah. It, it's it's still alive. It's still alive. We just donated um a little over fifteen thousand dollars to seattle's uh bail bonds fund wow that's that's amazing Uh, yeah i hate contributing to our broken cash bail system but 
there's immediate needs now and people are locked up now and so especially those who have been protesting and so hopefully it can be a relief to them but we got to end cash bail that's bullshit and then once we do that we can donate to other more important things that just doesn't go directly back into our broken criminal justice system definitely um but yeah i know we're um heading into a little close an hour so we want to respect your time but oh yes um thank you so much we, we are we still doing the song of the week yeah, I got yes you. So absolutely yes end our show with the song of the week do you want to start us off day do you know what song i've been really addicted to but i'm being vulnerable when i share this okay because <laughs> it? It, it got trashed on twitter for some reason but I listened to it before I knew it became a thing because it was on my Discover. Mm. It's the it's the Vin Diesel's debut song. Oh my god! Have you heard it? Feels yes. like I do. Yes. It makes oh me my feel god. so good. Honestly, I what I like about it is just like he's having fun and he's he doing is. what he wants. Have you ever heard him sing Rihanna that that viral video? Yes. That yes. Oh my god. He's so like passionate about it. And I was like He's a very lovable guy. That's like that's what I want to feel when I'm like doing karaoke or something. You know, like just the amount of emotion that's going into the song. <laughs> and I feel like that song he dropped was like, This is what I wanna do. I wrote this song, you know, and who he's I like him. I didn't before, and I think he is a very <laughs> interesting guy. Very. obviously i felt for him when paul walker passed away yeah. but he's just i don't know you you didn't listen to it no <laughs> Chubby, you're kind of late to the wave <laughs> i'm surprised it didn't go like it wasn't one of those like viral tiktok songs oh because it's kind of like a joke too it's kind of weird i'll have to listen to it yeah vin diesel <laughs> please what's your song of the week um my song of the week is a song by jaden smith i just randomly found it on my discover it's from his older um albums but it's called yeah yeah Ooh. <laughs> it's, it's like i feel like it's different from his usual stuff but it's also a feel good song yeah um been listening to that a lot but yeah how about you clarence um i just started listening to uh omar apollo's new album mm. and uh, he has a song called Hey Boy with Cali Uches. So that's what I've been listening to and a lot. You guys are so cool. I just, <laughs> going back to Jaden, I just saw that article about how the black community shunned Jaden and, and his sister. Willow. Yeah. They've had a hard year as a family, the whole entanglement. And <laughs> I think like Shane Dawson was being creepy to Willow Smith. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes. They've had a rough year as a family. Um, they had a rough year they're also royalty <laughs> yeah you know what i mean like they're hollywood royalty so it's like mm-hmm. i'm trying to balance the both because the shane dawson thing's very real and that's fucked up and really gross yeah and another person who has he made a comeback already i mean he's still famous i think he still has a million followers probably yeah, yeah. yeah. somehow <laughs> um but at the same time i'm like Will knew about that entanglement for years, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, it just became public, so it's like we might yeah. as well capitalize off of it. Get on Red Table Talk, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Red Table Talk. So whatever. And Willow, I mean, not Willow. Will did his own entanglement many times. So, especially with uh, Harley Quinn. Yeah. Oh my gosh, those pictures. Yeah. So whatever. And then what was the other album you recommended, Clarence? Uh, it's uh, Omar Apollo's new album. Let me look at what it's called. I think it's called like a, a Paul, a Paul, Apollo Neo. <laughs> so you guys aren't doing any music anymore. Um, maybe in the future. Um, but we kind of stemmed away from like our college radio, because it has just been like completely stopped because of COVID. Um, like everybody. Yeah, like all the DJs. So yeah. we're we're fortunate to have figured out like a a rhythm that works for us. Mm-hmm. but we're just trying to get like our our brand off its feet like we're still figuring it figuring it out like still evolving so 
Yeah, we're excited though. How many episodes well, in are y'all? I mean, we have 50, but I think like 10 of them are like the traditional podcast structure. The rest were like all radio shows. Oh, you've done 50 since COVID? No, we've done 50 since like our the very start of our radio show two years ago. Oh, oh, oh. oh. So we've been so, doing the radio yeah. a long time. So we were doing it during like school, uh, during the quarters, and then since covid we started kind of doing this podcast where we're interviewing people yeah um but which i i enjoy a lot more just because like i feel like jubilee and i have talked about we just everything ran out of our you own. know <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's yeah, nice yeah. to get like sure. people like you to have your Thank perspective you. on the show and honor yeah. to be on yeah also it's a, pleasure a, lot to have of, you. <laughs> a lot of people ask me like oh my gosh how do you know dave that is not true all right and <laughs> i'm i'm glad the recording <laughs> is ended <laughs> um but yeah we will have <laughs> we will have days um wait but we met in youth group he was my youth group leader um, but we will have all of Dave's, you know, contacts down below. We'll shout out yeah. his Twitch channel. Make sure to give him that subscription and follow him there. But thank you again, Day, and thank you so much. Sleep. So, <laughs> but in return, y'all are gonna come with me to the Young Republicans no vote party. <laughs> I'm gonna get y'all life jackets. We'll see you there. <laughs> Remember the last Trump boat rally? All the boats sank. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. But God will protect our boat. Yeah. As long as there's a life jacket, I'm in. So. Well, I'm yeah. sure the water is freezing. Now. It's freezing for sure. I'm not a strong swimmer either. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay, we're fine. going. All right. See, see you in the water. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, bye. Everyone, bye.